a food sensitivity is a delayed reaction and that delayed reaction is causing some sort of an inflammatory immune response within the body and it may be anything from headaches to gut issues to fatigue if somebody's sensitive to i don't know say gluten because we know that's a common one and you keep bombarding the system with gluten and you try to take all these other supplements at the same time but you keep bombarding the body with gluten then you're really not going to make that much progress until you identify that gluten's the issue or maybe it's some other random thing that you would have never thought about that's peas or chicken or apples you are listening to the ultimate biohack for women a movement of women who know what they want and go get it you know the answers lie within reach in and grab hold this is a movement a movement of women who tune in and turn themselves on now you're biohacking the woman's way integrating the art and science of hacking your biology like a woman tap your magic conjure your yes upgrade elevate maximize your potential i'm dr brandy victory and this is a movement a movement that is sure to hack your soul. This show is brought to you with your New Year's resolutions in mind. We're giving $50 off the Perium 30-Day Ultimate Life Transformation. It's a rocking system. You do it on your own, on your own time. You don't need anybody to help you, although I recommend getting a friend or a family member to do it with you. And go all in for yourself. This is an organic, vegan, high quality, potent superfoods. It's got all the supplements. It's all inclusive with everything you need in it beyond your food uh, to transform your lifestyle for more energy, better digestion, deeper sleep, and detoxify your systems. So get ready to set yourself up for a healthy lifestyle in 2022. You get $50 off, click the link below and get started today. Hi ladies, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having us today. Absolutely. This is Dr. Brandy Victory, host of the Ultimate Biohack for Women. I am so happy to be here with you with these two wonderful women. We've got two women from Infinite Allergy Labs, which is a lab that I use for food sensitivity testing, Chris Ball and Susan Drake. Uh, They've both got amazing stories and they're going to share with you so much about the difference between what a registered dietitian is versus functional nutritionist because they've both made this transition. And uh, we're going to go into things about how weight loss is a, is a side effect of something deeper. And when we start to address the root cause, then the, then the side effects go away, that being weight loss. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about how you can have sustainable weight loss through addressing things like food sensitivities and other root cause resolution things. So I will let you ladies take it away. Kristen, Susan, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks. So um, basically, uh, I guess I'll start with what we did for our, to become a registered dietitian. Yeah. Um, we, well, we, we do a, the program through, you know, for me, I went through CSU, Colorado State University for the nutrition dietetics program. And then um, in addition to that, afterwards, you have to do a lot of volunteer work and some actual paid work within the industry to, in order to apply for an internship. So we have, there's different programs throughout the U S 
that have certain uh, registered dietitian internships that you apply to. And once you get all of the hours of volunteer plus paid plus your um, bachelor's or master's, then you apply and then you go to the interviews and hopefully you get into one. And I, I was, um, I went to Chicago for my internship. Um, it's a year and, and pretty intense of being in a hospital. They have you do some, some work outside the hospital and wellness, um, also kitchen work. So a lot of dietitians that work for some of the big corporations, Nestle, um, Kraft, they all have dietitians. So we have to do that side as well. So. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, I'm cringing right now. Yeah, I just don't so, understand this. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty intense, but it, it's good working on the floor in the hospital. And then you kind of decide what area you want to go into after that. Um, so me personally, I just, after I finished and, and my, my internship, then you have to take an RD exam. So I was working, you know, in a restaurant studying, um, then did the, the um, dietetic um, test, which was pretty intense and hard as well. But I ended up passing, obviously, because here I am. And I decided to go into the wellness industry. Um, I did some personal training and also slowly built up to um, owning my own business. And, and that's kind of directed me into where I've started with infinite allergy labs and has really helped my patients and helped me with a bigger direction of where I'm taking my clinic as well. So, and we'll go into infinite allergy labs a little bit more in detail, but Susan, you can share your story too. Well, I got started at Colorado state university as well. So Chris and I are shockingly both Colorado natives. And then I ventured out to Illinois as well to do my internship in grad school. And after that, really got into working in the hospital setting. And one of the big benefits of being a dietitian is that we do have the opportunity to get that um, hardcore medical training in the hospital and understand disease processes very thoroughly working with the patients in, in the hospital setting. Then I transitioned into weight loss where um, I was counseling up to probably 60 patients a week. And back then I was really in that mode and mindset from the clinics I was working with on calories in, calories out, move more, eat less. And then it just came to fruition that gosh, there's just way more to this than calories in and calories out. We need to do more. We need to dig in. And like you were saying, Brandy, look at that root cause. What is causing um, primarily women that I was working with to hold on to this weight and really not be able to reach their goal? Uh, There's a lot of psychological issues that I had learned as I was um, getting to know my patients very well. And those psychological issues for choosing consciously, subconsciously to keep that weight on, but then digging in, there's a lot of other issues to take a look at from hormonal issues, what's impacting metabolism, stress, um, gut health. Um, All of those things started to really drive me into the functional medicine, functional nutrition arena. And so although I'm a dietitian at heart and by trade and training, um, but I've moved into that functional medicine space and 
understanding and looking at that whole body and what other things might be contributing to their physical well-being. Awesome. Yeah. How did you, I mean, what, okay. So from my perspective as a chiropractical, chiropractic functional health person. Okay. So I, I wasn't in the hospital. I wasn't, you know, I'm not a registered dietitian. Um, my perspective from, from my viewpoint is that anytime a patient is working, seems to be working with a registered dietitian, they're, their philosophy is so different than what I offer. It's, it's like, I have to tell my patients, like it's, it's two cooks in the kitchen is too, one too many. You got to decide what, what path you're going to go. Cause you can't do both. It just doesn't seem aligned. So I'm curious how one, can you describe both either one of you or both of you, what's the difference between a registered dietitian versus functional nutritionist? And how did you go from one to the other? Because it seems like they're so locked into their mindset. Well, I think you have to be able to look outside of the box and think about why why something's not working. Mm -hmm. And I agree, the traditional dietitian mindset is very, very Mm close-minded. And my personality, I've just never been that way. I've always been very inquisitive Mm -hmm. and And my first job outside of the box was working for a a functional ingredient company, Um, FOS, um, fructooligosaccharides is a dietary digestive fiber. And so that was really my first um, learning into the impacts of gut health. And that was um, 20 years ago when I got into that. And I remember going to a dietitian trade show and I had a diet, we had a booth there and a dietitian came up to me and she crossed her arms and she looked at me and said, you recommend supplements? And I go, yeah, I sure do. And she stuck her head in the nose, nose in the air and she stormed off. And I was like, well, we can't get all of our nutrition from the food we eat, it's the soils are depleted. The um, we're eating so many processed foods. There's so many things impacting and causing us poor digestive health that we do need to supplement. I was there representing a fiber supplement of all things, not even going into some of the other things that I could dig into now for gut health that didn't even know about 20 years ago. That was fiber. And I had a dietitian snubbing me. So I know dietitians have come a long way. There's a functional and integrative medicine group that really is more open-minded and it's more so in the private practice and industry that we can dig into that side of things a little bit more. If you're working in a hospital, it's very mainstream. You don't have an opportunity to look at functional nutrition. You're often just trying to help that person survive being on a tube feeding or parental oral nutrition. And so Um, And the patients are often in there at that, the time I was in the hospitals, it was an average of three days. You're not digging into anybody's nutrition and trying to find any root cause of anything. You're just trying to get them better so they can get out of the hospital. So that's kind of the leap of 
um, dietitian into the functional nutrition. Dietitians are also often very much in community nutrition. And you're working with a lot of the indigent and the Medicaid population where same thing, they're just trying to survive. And your basic goal is to try to help them not eat fast food every day. Right. So it's a whole different paradigm of the Mm. focus of dietitians into hospitals and community nutrition, and then being able to focus more on root cause and wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And going along with what Susan said, I think, um, you know, in the hospital setting or outside of private practice, you're doing a lot of calculating of proteins, calories, um, carbohydrates, things like that, where it's very, um, very focused on one little thing, you know, maybe you're meeting with a a client that you need have, you know, bypass surgery or who knows. So it's a lot of specialized things. And I think now the dietetic world is actually evolving with more of the functional medicine side too, with, um, how do we, how do we help just the general public? And I think a lot of people are becoming more aware of, of there's more to, to eating and, and what's happening in our bodies than just carbohydrates, proteins, fats, you know, how, how many 15% of this a day. Blah, 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 blah. So I think along with that, we have to get, you know, certain number of credits for continuing education every five years. And, and we can kind of pick which path we're taking. And, and actually we can do some of that to help with, you know, more of our functional medicine side and dig into deeper, you know, with supplements, like Susan was saying, um, I actually read a book and got some credits for how to, how to supplement some, some patients with certain issues. And so it's kind of nice because it's starting to evolve a little bit, which is, you know, I didn't know if that would happen because <laughs> it's very one-minded. At some it point, is. At one point. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Like I, I got frustrated a lot because I think, gosh, anybody who's in nutrition, you would think they would be like looking at things from a really broad perspective, but it's what we, it's what our training is, right? It's, that's how we get trained. And you're right. It is more of a medical approach when you're doing the registered dietitian piece. I actually had a patient call me. He's, he's been a patient of mine for many years. And he's one of these guys that comes in, he has a problem. He comes in, he's like, help me with this problem. And then I don't see him for a while. And then (laughs) months later, he'll call me again, you know, that guy. And, uh, (laughs) and so he called me the other day and he's like, Hey, I think I need some help with my prostate. Can you, can you, would you recommend Saul Palmetto? That's what he asked me. And I'm like, um, okay. So let me, let me just be really clear with you. Cause I'm now in my practice, like to the point where I'm just, it's no fun for me to work with people who aren't really in a hundred percent. So that's like the only people I really want to work with. So I told him, I was like, look, here's the deal. We're looking through two different windows. You're looking through the window of average American experience and you're going to go Dr. Google and he's going to say saw palmetto for prostate. If that's the perspective and the path you want to travel, great, go do that. I personally would not say saw palmetto because I don't know what are your nutrition nutrition deficiencies, what organ systems need support, what is your lifestyle habits that need support. So I want to look at like the whole thing and I want to maybe feed your body the nutrients that it needs so that your prostate can function better. But we won't know that unless we do a little bit of research. And this is about health optimization, optimizing your systems for your better, for the best function that you can possibly get as you age. 
And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. I know we've talked about this before, which we have. And then, <laughs> and he's like, I just was hoping you could just like, give me the one all. I was like, that's the average American window that you're looking through. So you have to decide before we work together again. Cause he's like, I'm still taking the I-5, which is a supplement. He's like, that's for leaky gut, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I gave you that a year ago. <laughs> like, again, you're still looking through the, the window of the average American that, oh, you just take a supplement to try to make it better. But I'm looking through the window of health optimization and resolution of symptoms. Like you should not be taking I-5 a year later if, I, if you're working with me and you're diligent about what we're doing. You should have resolution of leaky gut and maybe moving on to another system at that point. Maybe your prostate is connected to your gut health that you still right. <laughs> haven't even addressed, you know? So well, it's, um, it's that same mindset of taking a pill to yeah. relieve whatever's going on instead of doing that really hard work. And looking at your overall system, like you said, are you, do you have nutrition deficiencies? Where's that inflammation coming from? How do we reduce that overall body inflammation, support the nutritional deficiencies so that you're a fine tuned machine? And I always use the analogy of your car. If your car is low on some sort of a fluid or it's missing a bolt or it's just missing something, it's not gonna run optimally. So we gotta dig in and figure out what's that nut, what's that bolt missing? What's, what fluid is missing? Where, what do we do to get you running optimally so that you can have the most energy and you can feel the best? And that was one reason why I got into food sensitivity testing years ago because it's one of those key impacts that if somebody's sensitive to, I don't know, say gluten, because we know that's a common one, and you keep bombarding the system with gluten, and you try to take all these other supplements at the same time, but you keep bombarding the body with gluten, then you're really not going to make that much progress until you identify that gluten's the issue, or maybe it's some other random thing that you would have never thought about. That's peas or chicken or apples, which apples. was apples. apples. Was yeah. Funny one I heard. yeah. You know, you just don't know what your individual body is being bombarded with that may on the surface seem like it's a good, healthy thing, but for you, it's not. Mm -hmm. So my philosophy has always been, let's individualize that nutrition plan and start with food sensitivity testing. I love it. I love it. Now we all know that there's like many different kinds of food sensitivity tests out there and a lot that the public can just get off the internet. And I've had many patients come to me. They're like, oh, I already did a food sensitivity test. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's take a look at it and see what you got. Because I believe all data is good. And can you maybe go into the difference between what Infinite Allergy Labs is offering versus what the average American can get off the internet? Yeah. So we have a pretty comprehensive test. It's probably the, the most comprehensive out there. So we are measuring um, nanobody IgE. Um, which is a, an allergy. So that's what you see in the immediate reaction, like food reactions, um, is IgE reaction. So 
you know, anaphylactic, obviously, you know, if you have an EpiPen, um, it can also cause rashes, um, you see um, choking, um, scratchy throat, things like that. So that's for our allergy portion. And then we also food sensitivities. So we're, we're looking at IgG4, which is can be good and bad. So it can counteract some of the, or actually decrease some of the IgE bad reactions. That's what you see, like the, the allergy therapies are increasing IgG4 to help with that. But if it's too high, it can cause a lot of other issues. So eosinophilic esophagitis, um, maybe thyroiditis, looking at some of the tissue issues. Um, and then IgG is your basic food sensitivity. So probably I'm sure some of, a lot of your patients coming in are bringing IgG food sensitivity tests. And that's a, that's a delayed food um, reaction. So you can see that up to three days later. So four to 72 hours later. So a lot of people have a hard time pinpointing um, what the, what the food is with those. So it's great to measure those, but also the biggest one I feel like is complement. And we measure complement C3D and C3D. So complement is, can heighten IgG reactions by a lot. So it's really important to measure C3 when you're measuring IgG. And so you'll see a lot of um, other issues as well with, you know, autoimmune is a big one with um, C3. Um, there's a list, but um, basically like I'll have, I'll have some IgG reactions not show up with some patients, but it will show up with complement and that, that those foods have to be taken out. So that's a big one. It's really comprehensive. And that's one reason why we are, you know, covered by some insurances and Medicare, and we're looking at some Medicaid and in some states. So we are already covered in a couple. Um, so that's why I use it. I feel like it's, it's one of the best results that I get with patients and been able to help um, along with reading the, the report is pretty simple. So um, we also run uh, zonulin and histamine testing. So if you want to look at the gut a little bit more. Um, so I don't know, anything else you want to add, Susan, to that? No, I think that's pretty comprehensive. The one thing, uh, in addition, when we do get the results back from Infinite Allergy Labs, we test 88 foods and it gives us two different lists of foods that you can choose from for the patient a least restrictive and a more restrictive diet. So then you can help the patient with, okay, should we do the most restrictive diet or the least restrictive? And the way I decide on that is just based on the patient, how many symptoms are they having? How many food sensitivities came up? Because the last thing I wanna do is give somebody a complete laundry list of things that they need to remove from their eating plan and it be so restrictive that they have nothing left to eat and then there's no way they're going to be compliant. So I like to scale it down and see how they do um, and go month by month. Ideally, I want to remove these foods and add in some of these supplements like the I-5 you mentioned for three months, but I also want to work with the patient and help them be successful throughout the time period as well. And so, for example, if somebody comes back and says, I have coffee on my list, there's no way I can remove coffee. Then I try some negotiations of um, not eliminating it, but not having it every day and going, you know, maybe having something every 72 hours or try to get them to eliminate for a month 
and then add it back in every 72 hours to see how they feel. But it's, it's really uh, working with them pretty, pretty closely because it can be hard to change your diet and eliminate certain things, especially if you're eating them every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's nice for people to actually see it and see a list. Um, you could, I have so many patients coming in. Yeah. I've tried to take this out. I've taken this out. It just doesn't work. Um, and that might not, some of them might be on their list. Some of them might not. And so it's just good to, to have a lot of my patients love to just see it. And then they, they they seem to be stick with it better, um, that way. And then supplement wise, okay, how long do I need to be on this and just kind of have a goal. Um, and then, I mean, most of my, my clients start to see results within a couple of weeks, or at least start to feel better. If the symptoms aren't depending on how bad they are within a couple of weeks, feeling better, sleeping better, um, fatigue, you know, things like that. So it's definitely added a big, big benefit to, to my patients. Well, yeah. as far as weight, I'll add in the weight. We have a couple of testimonials on the Infinite Allergy website. Dr. Crozier interviews one of his patients and she lost 17 pounds as soon as she started following her elimination diet. And um, one of my colleagues, a nurse practitioner, she had a patient that was just plateaued and not getting anywhere. And did the food sensitivity testing. And within about two weeks, she lost seven pounds. Yeah, it it happens all the time with this stuff. So I just want to take a minute just to kind of recap what we just talked about in case people aren't kind of following the science. So when the immune system has many different ways that it works and there's different types of responses and we call these IgG, IgE, IgG4, IgA, all these, all these different types of responses. And typically what I've seen from what people can get from the internet and on their own, they're testing one of those. They're, they're like looking in a very microscopic small portion of what the immune system is doing. Whereas when we test all of these features with infinite allergy labs, then we're actually looking at the broadest perspective that I know of out there about how all parts of the immune system are functioning. So it's one thing to get, oh yeah, I have an IgG reaction to green beans. Okay, so that means if you eat green beans, you might have a reaction anywhere from immediately to up to 72 hours. But but we don't know if, okay, if you got no reaction on apples, say, with your IgG test, it doesn't mean IgG4, C3BD, IgE, none of the other parts are showing up because you can't see that on those other tests. That's what I really, really love about this test is that it's so, it's so, it gives us such a broad picture of what's going on with the immune system. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Complement is so sensitive. Sorry. Um, Complement is so sensitive. I mean, we have, we have some that come back unreported because, you know, a lot of those are highlighted. And so we have people send their blood back in, look at it again. And, you know, it gives people a good reason for, you know, if it comes up that every food's highlighted again in the complement area, is there something else going on, right? Should they go get a, a complete um, complement test just with their regular doctor at lab for any other, other labs just to see, because it could be some other issues starting as well. So that's super helpful. And a lot of my clients have had, you know, to do that and they're, they kind of get nervous, but they're find out, no, I'm okay. Or it comes back, you know, fine. So it, that's super helpful as well. Yeah, totally. And I just had a patient who 
did her food sensitivity test. I'll see her today. So I'll see where she's at today, but I saw her two weeks ago and she did her food sensitivity test. She's been, I think, cleaned up her diet for, and she had pots, like seriously, like would have to like sit down and stop her day kind of stuff periodically throughout her day uh, and couldn't sleep very well and had and terrible bloating and, and excess weight she could not drop. And so food sensitivity test, three weeks in of taking her, all those foods out, she had lost 11 pounds. Wow. That's amazing. And she's sleeping through the night and she has energy and she's not like <laughs> having to, like in three weeks, you know, it's like, Wah! I love this story. <laughs> and you're the best thing now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I'm trying, yes. to, trying to help them out, you know? Awesome. <laughs> All right. And then, so can we talk a little bit about the difference between a food sensitivity and a food allergy? I know you just touched on that a little bit, but I think we could go a little deeper into that conversation because I know people are confused by that. Go ahead, Susan. So a, a true food allergy is what typically most people think about. The top foods that people have allergies to that we think about are peanuts and shellfish and wheat um, a few, you know, a few others that you have an immediate reaction to where you eat peanuts and you have an anaphylactic reaction and you can't breathe or you get hives. Um, even an itchy or stuffy nose can be um, a true allergy. Um, even thinking about things like seasonal allergies, those are, um, Again, your immediate within three to four hour reactions, a delayed reaction. And that delayed reaction is causing some sort of an inflammatory immune response within the body. And it may be anything from headaches to gut issues to fatigue. A food sensitivity is, um, those are some of the main things. Headaches is one of the main things I've seen from a food sensitivity and resolution of the headache once you remove um, whatever is triggering it based on the food test. Um, is that in depth enough? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was really helpful. You know, the symptoms that I see too, including headaches, are joint pain, fatigue, uh, obviously weight, um, inability to lose weight. Eczema is a big one I see too. Um, eczema, skin conditions, right? Yeah, absolutely. Watery, teary eyes and, and uh, congestion in the nose, stuffiness that can't go away. I know for myself, I, I, I have, um, as you two know, I've, I've been dealing, I had post-COVID long haulers and I found out that I actually had an underlying mold toxicity and a, and a Marcon's in my nasal in, in cavity. So for who, people who don't know what Marcon's is, it's basically multiple antibiotic resistant staph infection in the nasal, in the, in the sinuses and, and COVID and mold and Marcon's all have pretty much the same symptom patterns. So, so for me now I'm stepping back cause I'm healing all that. I'm healing the leaky gut, the food sensitivities, clearing the mold, clearing the Marcon's. And I'm like, I would say 98% free of my symptoms now, but there, but when I, one of the things that was such a big surprise to me is like, I'm 49 years old, you know, so I don't have, and I take really good care of myself. So I don't have like arthritis and joint pain and things like that, but I had this one joint. It was on my left middle finger in that middle joint. That was, it would just hurt. Like it didn't make sense to me why that one joint would hurt. And then 
I did the food sensitivity test. I got off the foods and within four weeks, the joint pain was reduced probably 70%. And now I've been off the foods for five months now, I think. And I like, I don't even know that that joint exists, you know, I'm like, oh, and then one time I ate something like popcorn or corn or something like overate it. I didn't just have a few chips. I had a lot, you know, cause it was at a party and the very next day that one joint showed up. And so I'm like, okay, I still, I, I see, I'm still reactive and I still have a little work to do. So, but it's kind of like my, uh, my beacon, you know, <laughs> like, am I on the right track or am I not? <laughs> That's a good one. And that brings up a really good point too. We get asked so often, well, if I do this food sensitivity test and if corn comes up, does that mean I can't ever eat corn again? And maybe, but there's a really good chance, maybe not. Yeah. Because you can heal the gut and it also may end up being dose dependent where maybe if you just ate a few of the chips, you would have been fine. Yeah. But you kind of learn what that dose limit is that makes sure that um, your little beacon to act up. Yeah. Yeah. I think people find too, at least you, they know what it is like you, Brandy, you know, you knew, okay, I have this. And so there's some people that are like, well, I know I, eggs bother me. And I'm, I'm, I have them maybe once every couple of months. And I just know when I have it, you know, my reactions aren't as bad, but at least, you know, and I think that's super helpful. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think one takeaway I definitely want our listeners to get from this conversation is so if somebody from the outside looked at my diet and this was even pre COVID during COVID, like I just have a, I have a really healthy diet. Like I'm probably in the top 97 or the top 3% of the country and how I eat. I don't put sugar in my, in my body. I don't put preservatives in my body unless it just is by accident. I don't put food colorings in there. Like, and I haven't for a very long time. So, so for someone to look at me, they would go, gosh, she has such a healthy diet. And then when I did my food sensitivity test, guess what? the chicken, the turkey, the almonds, the cashews. I made my own fresh cashew milk every single week, green beans, peas, like the things that I eat on a day-to-day basis were the things that were causing me the most trouble. Eggs, that was the worst. I honestly would have bet my last dollar that eggs would not show up on that test. I'd be like, no, eggs aren't going to be on there. (laughs) And it was the worst. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. So I was like, Okay, so the diet that seems to be healthy isn't healthy for me. And at this point in time, because I ended up finding out I had leaky gut, now I'm healing my leaky gut. And my goal is to get back on those foods, of course. And I have been able to integrate green beans and peas and a couple of almonds here and there, and it's fine. But what I didn't realize was how bad my symptoms were. Like, I just, because you don't realize how bad you feel until you feel better. Right. And so this was like, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I had a piece of bread at somebody's house that they had made and they said it was gluten-free and I didn't even like think I could, I looked at it and saw that it was nut-free flour, but I didn't think about eggs being in it. And I went ahead and had some of the bread and it wasn't a whole bunch, but it was some, you know, and Within 15 minutes, I was, my, my gut was rumbling. I had to unbutton my pants. I was fatigued. My nose started just like running, running, running. I got a headache. I was sneezing, sneezing. Like it was like, I was sick all over again. And so in that very moment, I was like, okay, maybe I'll never have be able to have eggs ever again. That's not my goal. 
And if, if it's, if eggs are going to make me feel this bad, I don't care if I have them ever again. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Well, to your point, I have, you know, I have some friends that are like, I just want to do this test. You know, I had a friend that wanted to do it before she went to Mexico for Thanksgiving. And she said, I, I just need to lose some weight. And I'm like, okay, well, I think you should just do it anyways to see. So she took the test and she started eliminating some stuff. And she, she came to, I don't know, I saw her at something before she left. And she said, Chris, oh my gosh, I felt so much better. I didn't even do it for that. But I, I realized, I think gluten was a big one for her and a couple of things. She said, I, I didn't realize to your point that you said how much better I feel. I didn't realize I was feeling so crappy, right? I think you just get used to feeling the way you feel and you think that's normal. And so once she did the test and she's feeling better, it was a whole different ballgame and she lost some weight. So she felt of course better about it. Not at all. Yeah. It's awesome. It's really awesome. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people understand uh, food elimination diets. I actually have a, a friend of mine who is, um, she's actually a PA in the cardiovascular uh, unit for the VA. Like she's in the medical world, you know, but now she's moving into functional medicine. She's doing um, her training and everything. And it's so fun to watch. Like, she's just so excited about it. And I'm like, yes, another one on our side, you know, <laughs> but when I'm listening to her, she's like doing the food elimination diet. And in my first question is, Oh, were those foods on your food sensitivity test? Like, that's just how I think, you know, cause this is what we do. And uh, she's like, Oh, well, I didn't actually test. I'm going to introduce her. You don't worry. <laughs> she's like, I didn't actually test um, all my foods. I just tested gluten and shellfish or something like that. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, like, she's not asking my opinion. I'm not going to try to change her mind. This is how we learn. We go through these processes. Right. Um, but it's just fascinating. Cause I think that's kind of average American, like looking through that window. Right. Oh yeah. There's the, and it, it's a little bit less average because at least they're looking at food sensitivities, but to take out like, I used to do that. Like in my earlier years of practice, I, I would go back and forth with lab testing because for one, it's expensive. And sometimes I felt like I could get really great results with just taking them off the primary inflammatory foods and going with it, doing a cleanse and getting good results. But as time has progressed, I've been at this for 20 something years now, as time has progressed, our dis-ease states have become so complex. It's not just, oh, you just need to get off gluten and change your diet, right? And do a cleanse. Like it doesn't work like that anymore. There's just too much complexity to disease process. And so, um, and so I'm just sharing this because I think it's important for people to get their head wrapped around. Yeah. You can just take out the, all the whites and see how it goes. But like for my instance, I can eat soy, I can eat rice, I can, you know, I can eat a lot of the, the uh, grains that are gluten-free and those would be not necessarily, those would be considered inflammatory, right? So for me, it was chicken and turkey and green beans and almonds. <laughs> so I think it's important for people to understand like, yes, you should know exactly what your body needs so you can begin to modify your diet to support yourself in the best way possible so that inflammation comes down, so that joint pain comes down, so that headaches come down, so that we can like begin to lose the weight and feel good in our bodies and have the energy to live a purposeful, filled life. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. I guess I'll, yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> totally agree with you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you left me speechless. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. Um, okay, so I think unless there's something else you want to share, should we share with our audience how they can get tested and what's next steps for them? 
Yeah. So basically you, you can, um, you know, order the testing and the test the sh- kits can be shipped to you and test results are done within, well, it's a blood draw. So I forgot to say that. So we do have some locations um, that we can give in, in areas all over the nation and get your blood drawn. Results are done within, oh, we say two to three weeks. And of course they're working on sooner in the new year. That's their big goal. Um, and then you meet with your practitioner and we can go over the results and, and come up with a plan. So unless you have anything else to add to that, Brandy, I don't know, is that enough or no, that's perfect. Um, we can drop ship test kits to patients Mm -hmm. and we can um, give them some resources of where they can get their blood drawn because it is a blood draw. And if they do have a PPO insurance plan, we can check their insurance to see mm-hmm. if they qualify. And if insurance covers it, there's no cost. Woo! So that's, <laughs> um, that's phenomenal. And so it's just, it's a really easy process to get insurance verified. Uh, but the best way is just to contact um, you, Dr. Brandy, to get the test ordered. Awesome. Awesome. I love that you added that insurance piece in there because that's Sometimes the limiting factor for people are like, gosh, you know, this is so expensive and I have all this insurance that I'm paying for. And then once people get tested, when do you recommend people retest? Typically well, after six months. That's kind okay. of a good rule of thumb. Insurance will pay for it again in six months. Okay. Um, so twice a year. Um, it's, a, it's a great test to get your year started and start your new year's resolutions. If you do that, um, it's a great um, tool to add in for any new patient, just so that you get their baseline and can help get them started with healing their gut and individualize that nutrition plan. Yeah, we have a lot of practitioners that run this yearly with the the wellness check-in or yearly check-in. So just ran with all of that once a year. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, because a lot of times your food sensitivities might go away. Like I felt like my almonds and green beans were like three or four months in. I was fine eating those again. Of course, I haven't pushed it yet. <laughs> but then like some things not so much yet, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm waiting a little bit longer right now to give myself, I can tell that I'm not quite there 100%. So yeah, I like that six months to a year window. That's really good. And, and we actually have a program that we're doing. Uh, it's, uh, we've got it $500 off coming up. It's not, it's not open yet, but um, we have a metabolic reset and a digestive restoration package where we do have this testing that's included in there. So um, yeah, it's very exciting because we're starting 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do a lot of zoom consultations all over? I do. Yeah. 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 And for, for most patients who aren't like right next to me, I, we do drop ship their kits to them. And then we usually will either send them to a lab or we'll have a phlebotomist just come to them because it just seems to be way easier for everybody to do that. So somebody comes right to your house, draws your blood for you, takes the kit, send it in done. (laughs) So pretty, pretty simple process. Awesome. Is there anything else you ladies would like to add before we close? There's a ton of resources on the infiniteallergylabs.com website, including a number of webinars from Jim Laval, who's our educational director. Love that guy. That can really help with um, increasing education on food sensitivity testing um, and why Infinite Allergy Labs. 
Got it. Thank you for that. I'll put those links in the show notes below. Um, otherwise, happy 2022. So nice seeing you ladies. And uh, yeah, yeah. May this year be spectacular, even better than last. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, oh, man, we made it. We made it through 2021. And then I was like, shoot, that's two years in a row. And like, that's not the conversation I want to be having at the end of every year. Like, who made it through that one. I hope the next one's better. <laughs> like, that really sucks. <laughs> okay, let's reframe. <laughs> well, I think it'll be better for everybody. You start um, getting your food sensitivity testing, working on your wellness, and at least you have more energy and feel better so that you can take on 2022, whatever is dished out. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You're ready. Ladies, thanks for coming. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Okay. So, hopefully, now more than ever, you're inspired to do something for your own health and well being. Yeah, mate, you want more energy. You want to lose a little weight. You want to sleep better. You want your digestion to be better. The Purium Ultimate Life Transformation will help with all of those things. Most people who do this program, I mean most, like I would say 98%, have great success with it. And you can get $50 off by clicking the link below. Say yes to yourself, get $50 off, start your 2022 in the right way for your own well-being and create a lifestyle that's sustainable around your health. Yes. Thank you for listening to the ultimate biohack for women. If you'd like to dive deeper with our tribe, join us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you'd like to help grow our tribe, share this episode with your friends. Let's bring this light to our community so that other women can know their true power and we can create a tribe together worth being in. This podcast is for information purposes only. Dr. Brandy Victory is not a medical doctor. And the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.